I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. During this coronavirus, I'm teaching on that particular thing because it is a pestilence. It's a disease. The Lord told Israel, when you go after other doctrines and you don't obey my word, that I'm going to send the sword, that your enemy's going to come up against you, and I'm going to send the famine, and I'm going to send the pestilence, and I'm going to send the beast against you. I'm trying to tie together all of these doctrines they teach. They teach false doctrines on the tongues, on tongues. It has no, it is not, there's no such thing as Pentecostal tongues. There's emotionalism that they teach. The two words for tongue are dialect, D-I-A-L-E-K-T-O-S, dialectos. There was a different dialect in every city-state of the Greek language. That went back to Alexander the Great when he gave the, the languages, the Greek languages to the world somewhere around 332 to 318. That's about the period of his life, B.C. He gave the Greek language to the world. They had... Dialectos and glossa, those are the only two words that you're going to find in the Bible when tongue is mentioned. Dialectos means dialect. They said, how here we ever man. These were Jews from every nation under heaven. They said, how here we ever man. They're hearing Peter preach, and they're hearing in the dialect wherein we were born. These were Jews that were coming back from all over the world as they were commanded by God. This thing is not working, Mike. They were commanded to come from all over the world. Are you going to come fix this? And glossa means foreign language. The glosses in 1 Corinthians 14... The only language used, the only word for tongue is glossa. Dialectos is in Acts 2, along with glossa. Along with glossa. But glossa means foreign language. He got it working. Oh, okay. All right. I don't think he got it working. Mike. There you go. There you go. It's doing it. Okay. These are Jews from every nation under heaven, coming from all over the world. They were all over the world because for 500 years they went after false doctrine, particularly Christmas under another name, Baal in the Grove. Christmas. So this this coronavirus started back here. It actually started, God tells them in Deuteronomy 28. That's the fifth book of the Bible. I'll send famine. I'll send pestilence, which is disease, if you teach wrong doctrine and follow it. Now you've got to read the whole chapter. He says, I'll send the sword. I'll send the famine, the pestilence. Then I'll send... Then I'll send the beast to come in and carry you away. 
the beast was an was a empire. And you'll find the beast in Daniel seven, Daniel seven, and in Revelation thirteen. You got it other places, but these are prominent areas. The beast empire was Babylon along with Assyria, which is northern Babylon, carrying northern Israel away, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Babylonian lion, this is why it's called the beast, the Persian bear, there's reasons for all this, and the Grecian leopard. And then the most powerful of all of them was was Rome, that was the beast with iron teeth, and that conquered all these others. And that's that was the final judgment, and the beast is still here in a world system. Now, they preach. That's the reason for the tongues, because they were scattered all over the world, and they were commanded to come back to their three main feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and the... Feast of Ingathering, which was coupled with the Day of Atonement. So they were scattered all over the world, and all these arrows are pointing back to Jerusalem. They're coming back to those different feasts. That's why in Acts 2, there were Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, we've got, now these Pentecostals, they preach faith healing. There's no such thing as faith healing. A proof of that is all Pentecostals die. They all die, and if they don't die in a car wreck or a plane crash, they die of a disease. <laughs> all of them die of that. The most famous healers that have died were were Oral Roberts. He, of course, he's been the biggest so-called faith healer in the world in the past thousand years. Uh, when I was a kid in Texas, he would come on and boy, he'd be slapping people and and pitting them and healing them, and he wasn't healing nobody. And then you had, and that was the early fifties. Then you had Kenneth Hagen. Kenneth Hagen is one of the most dangerous people that's ever lived. He's dead now. Kenneth Hagen. H-A-G-A-N. Or Roberts died of pneumonia. Kenneth Hagen died of a heart attack. Why didn't they call in Jesse Duplantis heart attack? And why didn't they call in uh, Fred Price or, or Benny Hinn to heal him? Because you can't be healed when you're 85 and 90 years old. Everybody dies of a disease. Either you get cardiac problems and it wears out, or your respiratory system, like me, wears out. And then you had Jan Paul Crouch started TBN, the largest so-called religious network in the world, and he wrestled with congestive heart failure for 10 years. Where do you get all this information? On the internet. And Jan Crouch, his purple-haired wife, she died of a stroke connected with a heart attack. Why? Why didn't they just call one of these faith healers in to heal them? 
They're old. They can be healed at 30, but not at 85 or 90. And most of them didn't live that long except Oral Roberts, and he fooled himself. He thought he was going to live forever, but he died in his 90s. And you had all these other people that have died. You're going to die if you're a faith healer. Every time the Bible says, Thy faith has made thee whole. Every time you say, Jim, you've said this so many times. Every time it says, Thy faith has made thee whole. Whole is the word sozo. It is the word saved. What about the woman with the issue of blood over in Mark? When Jesus said, Thy faith has made thee whole, now go and be whole of thy plague. He didn't use the same word whole when he said, You're going to be whole of your plague. That second word whole, there's two words whole in that verse. The second word whole is hugius, H-U-G-I-S. Jesus is saying you can't come in contact with me, believing me, I've saved you because of your faith. He said, but you'll be hugius, physically cleansed of your plague, but not because of your faith. Your faith saved you. It did not heal you. We get the word hygiene from the word hugis, H-Y-G-E-I-N-E. Hygiene. It don't matter whether they like that or not. That's the words. Now, another thing they talk about is they got these wacky people that talk about slain in the spirit. To slay means to kill. The Bible says, The Spirit quickeneth, in John 6, John the 6th chapter, Spirit quickens, it doesn't kill, quickens, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O, means to make alive. Poel means to make zoo, you go to a zoo living at see living animals, make alive. I'm just kind of reviewing charismatic doctrine real quick now now they preach that there's demons out there in the world there's no such thing as demons there are verses you have to go to to prove this you go over to let's look at the what people have determined the demoniac you can see this guy but you see two of them in Matthew, Matthew 8, Matthew 8, and then in Mark the 5th chapter, Mark the 5th chapter, and in Luke the 8th chapter. Just remember Matthew is in 8, and Luke is in 8, and Mark is in 5 between the two. And you'll see this man that was supposedly possessed with demons. It doesn't say demon. You won't find demon in the King James Bible. You can get your concordance and it's not there. You have the word devil. Possessed with devils. Well, that was a specific word in the Greek. The word, you have two words for devil. Let me erase this title up here. Y'all can put that up as a title to the message. 
I'm going to talk about demons in baptism today. Baptized does not mean to dip in water whether anybody likes it or not. That's how demons are cast out. Demons, you got to you have the word devil every time you run across the word devil in the Greek text. It will either be demonion, D-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Or you will have the word diabolos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. Now that is all there is when it comes to demons. So you have to look up which one it is. Diamonion is our word demon. When you find possessed with devils, it's one word. One word. Let me arrest this rest this word devil. The word possessed with devils is D-A-I-M-O-N-I. Let me just write it here. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O. It's a form of demonion, which is our word demon. Demonizomai. It's just the word endings are added or changed depending on some character of the word. Demonizomai, when you look that up in any number of of historical or sociological books by sociology people who study the social life in any given time period, they'll tell you. You'll even find it in McClinic and Strong under Possessed with Devils. You look at the P volume, look up Possessed, and it'll say Possessed. In smaller letters, they say with devils, and then it'll give you demonizomai. If you look up possessed with devils, in a concordance, it'll say demonizomai. Well, demonion means to distribute fortunes. To distribute fortunes, that is the root dio that comes from this word demonion, it means to distribute fortunes. Well, there's a word that goes with that over in First Timothy, the sixth chapter. The Bible says the love of money. Demons are nothing but self-desires for things and stuff. That's all it is. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil. So you can't have a demon that's more evil than your own heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So, love of money is the word philogoria, P-H-I-L, A-R-G-U-R-I-A. What I'm doing, I'm giving you words out of the Strong's Concordance since the New Testament was written in Greek. Sometimes I'm referring back to the interlinear because of the word endings are changed. But they're still the same word. Philogoria comes from philos, which is one of the words for affection, 
and it comes from the word phileo. And it is the word friend. Friend. Two words were translated into the New Testament, love. You have the word phileo and the word agape. And they're not the same word. I don't care what these Greek professors will say. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do the things I say. Do things I say. says that in John 15 and in John 14. The things God says is agape. Agape, Second John 6, this is agape, this is love, that we walk after his commandments. That's what agape is. So he's saying to us, my affection for you is conditional. You have to be walking in my commandments. He, that's why he didn't love everybody. Evil, wicked people. And I'm not just talking about bank robbers and killers. I'm talking about Baptist preachers and deacons. They don't walk after the commandments of God. They're not a friend of God. Now, we're talking about possessed with devils. This guy in Luke 8, which is the same guy in Mark 5 and Matthew 8, was said to be possessed with devils. Demonizomize the word. That means to be insane. He was crazy. And you can prove that when you get over to Mark 5 and he's running through these tombs, cutting himself and screaming. If a guy's cutting himself and he's bleeding all over the place, he's nuts, isn't he? Now that's amazing. Let's go over there and look at that. I can't get all this into one message. I did about... I did... I don't know, two and a half or three years on the doctrine of the devil, and I went through Demonion and Diabolos. Diabolos means a traducer, one who leads people astray and accuses them of being evil when they're not. It's one who assassinates your character. Well, that's what Satan did in the garden. He said, Hath God said? Well, he didn't mean that. He was saying God is lying when he told you not to eat of the tree. He was he was taking down the Lord. Now, let's go over here to Luke 8. The thing is, the charismatics don't know what any words mean. Luke 8. It may take me a couple of weeks. There's no such thing as demons like What's really sad, the Baptists didn't believe in demons back in the 50s, mid-50s when I was a teenager. They didn't believe in it. You never heard a preacher even comment on it. But now, demons have infiltrated the, the church of all kinds. They think there's demons in Baptist churches now. There was a Baptist church halfway between here and Gallatin, and there was a deacon's wife up there would walk around saying, I saw a demon sitting on this woman's shoulder, and I saw one sitting on that man's shoulder. She was nutty is what she was. I hope she's watching. She's probably dead by now. Now, 
Luke 8, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. That's, that's northern Israel, and it's on the eastern side of Galilee. That, that was a land of pagans. It wasn't uh, Israelites that lived there. And it had to be pagans because they've got swine there and the Jews never owned pigs. Swine is the word boar. B-O-A-R. Boar. That's a male pig. A boar. And and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils, Damonion, a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but he was dwelling among the tombs. There was a reason he was among the tombs. They believed that they could talk to their ancestors. That's called necromancy. That was against God's law. And if you got caught uh, talking to the dead, then you had to die for that under the law. And he was in the tombs when he saw Jesus. When he's in the tombs, he thinks he's going to talk to his ancestors. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Unclean spirit? What is an unclean spirit? Well, Hold your place, and let's go over to Mark, the first chapter. you got to compare Scripture with Scripture to find out what these things mean. Mark, the first chapter, Jesus is beginning his ministry. Mark, the first chapter, and... And Jesus comes into, he was in Capernaum in verse 21. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue. That's a Babylonian system. He didn't believe in the synagogue. And he taught them against what was going on in the synagogue. The synagogue was organized by the the. Pharisees when they were Babylonians in the Babylonian synagogue when they were carried away into captivity that was their method of worship and they had the Halakha and the Haggadah as their message and they astonished and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes there was in the synagogue a man Jesus is not teaching them halakha. He's teaching them the word of God. And there was in the synagogue 
a man with an unclean spirit. Same thing. This man had an unclean spirit in verse 29 of chapter 8 of Luke. Same thing. Had an unclean spirit. A K A T H A R O S. A catharos. The word catharos, we get the word cauterize. C A U T E R I Z E. Get the word cauterize from catharos. The alpha negates the word and says not cauterized or not clean. And spirit is the word pneuma, meaning breath. Every time you find the spirit, the Holy Spirit, it means breath. A thousand things come to my mind when I see that. Now, back over here to Mark, the first chapter. What did Jesus say this unclean spirit was? Had an unclean spirit. And the man cried out, saying, Let us alone. He used plural, us. You have to know this, that in the first century, they said most of the demons were feminine gender. Feminine. The guy over there in Luke 8 when Jesus asked him, what is your name? He didn't ask that question. He actually asked another question. Let us, what is your name is English, but that's not what it says in the Greek. In Luke 8, the man says legion, and he used feminine gender, plural. A legion was, a legion was at least 3,000 in a Roman army. A man who was head of a legion was ahead of 3,000. Later on, it grew up to 6,000. So the guy is saying, I have at least 3,000 female demons in me. I always ask the question, notice who's talking, who's asking the question, and notice who's answering. The guy that's answering is nuts, crazy. Can Jesus believe him when he says, Legion, I got all these female demons in me? No, you can't believe nothing. He said, he's crazy. He's cutting himself and screaming and carrying on. Jesus is not saying, let me ask you a sensible question since you don't have any sense. You got to look at the Bible the way it is. Well, over here in Mark, the first chapter, I'm going back and forth. And he says, let us alone. What have we, plural? Evidently, he's speaking of the female demons that's supposedly in him. Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art. You're the Holy One of God. And what Jesus does is amazing. He says, I got plural, all these female demons in me. Jesus is not believing that. And Jesus rebuked him. Him is the word A-U-T-O. That's an, that's an omega. It's pronounced O like our O. It's the same word as our word A-U-T-O. 
An automobile is self-mobile. Self. Self. And and an autobiography is written by the man himself. That's an autobiography. A-U-T-O-B-I-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. That's an auto. An an authorized biography is not an autobiography. It's just a biography that somebody writes about somebody else, and it's not authorized. Well, this word auto is self in the Greek. Word endings are changed depending on some character of the word. When you write A-U-T, Ada, Ate, anytime Ada is on the end of a word, it's feminine gender. When you have the O on the end of the word, it's masculine gender. Masculine and feminine gender, auto and Ate, are forms of auto, they're forms of self. This is feminine self, this is this is masculine self. So Jesus is rebuking auto. Auto is what he rebuked. Masculine gender. Singular. He's not rebuking a bunch of demons like Legion. He's not rebuking the we. He's rebuking masculine gender. Singular. The man himself. That's what he's rebuking. So we're understanding what unclean spirits are. They're the man. Your problem is you. It's not demons. You go to some Pentecostal church and they go get some guy on the floor and he'll wallow around and and go and then they'll whack him with something and they'll say, we cast out demons. No, you didn't. That's some wild, vivid imagination you're involved in. It's it's insane on the part of the charismatics saying they're casting out demons. That's crazy. Then, after Jesus rebukes him, when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he was crazy. We've established that from Luke 8. And the came out... It doesn't say he came out of him. It says came out of him. He is not in the text here. I've looked that up in the interlinear Bible. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits and the and these Pharisees that were watching, when they said unclean spirits, they used the same word of katharos, but they used plural. And they do obey him. Now you got three people talking here. You got the man saying we. You got Jesus saying no, you, him. And you got the Pharisees saying many, we. Who do we believe? Jesus. Now, let's, one other place. Luke, the fourth chapter. He's going to tell us about this same man in Mark, the first chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter. 
This is the same man. It's Luke's account, not Mark's account. It's the same account. When you're studying, you need to study. If you're studying any gospel, always study Matthew, Mark, Luke, even John. Study the same accounts of a man so you can see the whole picture, okay? Now, you go over here to Luke to Luke 4. Luke 4. And you look here, you see the same man, Jesus experienced with the same man in the synagogue as Mark 1. Verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Unclean devil. The word is akatharos, A-K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S. And the word devil is D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. An unclean demon, therefore, an unclean demon is the same thing as an unclean spirit, and that's the same thing the guy had over here in Luke 8. In itself. That's who Jesus rebuked. Man's problem is his own self. I believe the Charismatics and the Pentecostals invented demons so they wouldn't have to repent of their sin. They don't want to say the fault is mine. I've done that. I've said, Lord, stuck me in the hospital, was killing me in my mid-40s with bronchial pneumonia, in and out for two years. And I had to come to a place and say, Lord, the problem is me. I'm stressing out over everything. It's me. That's your problem is you, not a demon. Good grief. Now let's go back to Luke 8. He had an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice there in, in verse 33 of Luke 4. Now let's go back to Luke. you got you got to study these verses. All right. So, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. Uh, verse 28, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thy son of the Most High, I beseech thee, torment me not. He didn't want to be tormented himself because he was imagining he had a demon, a bunch of demons in him. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. He commanded self because we found out an unclean spirit is self. It's the same thing as an unclean demonion. To come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. It was just self. You know what it is? It's that outer man. When you're born again, you got two men in you. You got an inner man, which is Christ in you. And it serves the law of God. And you have the outer man that serves the law of the flesh. All you've got is the outer man before Christ births himself in you, and that man serves self. That's the problem with men is self. 
Now, let's keep reading. And oftentimes it caught him and kept bound with chains and fetters. It doesn't mean metal chains. They had small writhes, W-R-T-H-S, little little ropes that they tied people up with and was driven of the Damonion into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? It's not what he said. Not according to the interlinear Bible. Here's what he said. T-soy esteen onoma. This is... You realize what it takes to understand what a demon is? It takes all this study. I've been studying demons for decades. Not for a few weeks or months or years. For decades. It bothered me as a gospel singer when I used to go into a Pentecostal church. Some guy would be waddling on the floor down there say, we're casting demons out of him. I thought, that don't make any sense. Even when I didn't understand what it meant. That's what made me study this so much. Now, he said, this is what he asked the man, T. T is an interrogative. Not two R's, one R. T-R-O-G. Interrogative. An interrogative, you can understand that by interrogate. When the detective interrogates one of the criminals, he gets him in there in an interrogating room and asking questions. They're hard. So that's a question. He said, what? And then he didn't say is. Didn't say that. He said, is would be E-I-N-A-I. That would be a form of the verb to be. That would be translating be, is, am, are, was, were. All those being verbs would be E-N-I. He, he didn't say that. He said esteen, E-S-T-I-N. Means to represent. What represents Eni? Not Eni, Esteen, excuse me. What represents? He said, What represents T soy? Soy is a form of sum or soon or sug all these are form or sue that's something you put on the front of a word sue more fuss that word soon or soon or sue or sug or soy soy is always plural oi plural Sumorphos is that word for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed. 
Sumorphos, H-U-M-O-R-P-H-O-U-S, excuse me, U-S, it means to be shaped, Morphe, H-U-M-M, M-O-R-P-H-O-U-S. Morphe means to shape. So we are shaped and shaped by fellowshipping with Christ. Sum would be fellowship. Instead of putting K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A on front of a word, koinonia morphe, they come up with a way to say koinonia without writing out the word. Sum means to be blended with. So, sum we are shaped into the fellowship with Christ when we are predestined to conform to His likeness. So, sum would be fellowship. Or soy would be plural fellowship. Plural fellowship. So Jesus says, What fellowship represents esteem? And the word name is the word onoma. Onoma. O-N-O-M-A. This is the word name. O-N-O-M-A. Name means authority. So Jesus is asking the man, what, what, T, what fellowship are you in the middle of and what is this authority in your life? And the man answers Jesus and says, Legion, Legion. And he uses feminine gender, plural. And by the meaning of the word legion, which is the common word, the man was saying, I got 3,000, at least 3,000 female demons in me. That's what's wrong with me. Now, this is the craziest thing. Why would Jesus, the Son of God, walk up to an insane man and ask him, what's going on in your life? He's going to say something crazy. Did Jesus believe that? No. So it depends on who's talking and who you're talking to. Every time Jesus talks to a man that's got an insane self. In fact, let's read on down through this. And he commanded the unclean spirit come out of the man verse 29 for oftentimes it had caught him and bound with chains and fetters let's give it back down to verse 30 Jesus asked him saying what is thy name and he said legion I got at least 3,000 female demons in me because many devils now here's what's amazing the guy says legion feminine gender plural and he believed and he believed there were at least 3,000 demons. And then it says, this is the Bible talking, because many devils, demonion. 
many demonion were entered into him. But the way Jesus, the way the Bible changes it, it uses neuter gender when the Bible says he doesn't really have female demons in him. He's got neuter gender. They don't exist. Demonion in him. And Mr. Lightfoot tells us in his Talmud and Hebraica, he said, they called all of their sins and transgressions by the title in the first century of demons or demonion. And one other thing, they said that their their gods that they served, all of their gods, whether it's Venus or or Aphrodite or Jupiter or Hercules, they called all of their gods by the title of demonion. That's what they called them in the first century. And simply because we can read something and don't know how to read the text in it, we've come up, well, that must be demons. This guy said he had them. Well, this guy was nuts. It's crazy. In fact, you can go on down there. After I'll come back to this next two verses, but I'm going to go on down to when in verse 33 then went the devils the demonion out of the man remember demon demonion means to distribute fortunes he wants to talk to his ancestors so that's why he tells Jesus don't cast them out leave them in these swine with me so I can talk to them necromancy was what it was called then with the devils of the demonion out of him and entered into the swine, the boars, the most famous boar of that time, was Osiris, one of the chief gods of the Egyptians. He was said to be the great boar. When the Egyptians died, if they believed in Osiris, they got to go be in eternal fellowship with the great boar in their heaven. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. They ran down into the sea. Every time Babylon is destroyed, she was founded on self. Let us make us a name. Let us make up our own doctrine. And when they had they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it to this told it in the city and in the country then they went out to see what was done. The people in the city went out to see what Jesus had done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the demonion were departed, self was departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So phreneo minus, so P-H-R-O-N-E-O. That word means sane mind. He had been out of his mind before. The next verse says he had been insane. They which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed with devils. And it says was healed. What is that word healed? Sozo, saved. Sozo, that's the only word for saved. 
the man was saved. They had idioms and metaphors and figures of speech just like we do. Now, so he had been out of his mind. Let's back up to 31. And they besought him. Who is they? There were two men here, but it doesn't say it in Luke 8. It tells you over in Matthew 8th chapter there was two men. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out of the, into the that he would didn't command them to go into the deep, into the lake, into the sea. Every time a Babylonian system goes down, it goes into the sea. We find that in Revelation the 18th chapter when Babylon sinks in the sea and it talks about all the goods that man wants all the stuff, the money and the things that he wants sinks into the sea you find when Old Testament Babylon was going down and was going to be destroyed in the 51st chapter of Jeremiah that Jeremiah sent a man up to Babylon with a book of the law of God. He said, tie, a, put a rope on this, tie a stone on it, and when you get up there to Babylon, act out this contract, cast it into the Euphrates River, river and then says, so shall Babylon sink. That's what's happening here. What this man evidently wanted was talk to his ancestors through the swine, through the boars. Now, and there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them and he suffered them suffer means to allow so what are you saying Jim I'm saying the man thought when Jesus cast him into the swine he was in the tombs he thought his dead ancestors would inhabit the swine and he could talk to them let me explain that to you one more time one more time you can't go into demons without all of this So every time Jesus talks to a crazy man, a wacko, he wants to see what they've got to say, and then he corrects them by changing genders, persons, mask and feminine, neuter gender, or plural or singular, that's number. Now, let me see, where was I going? I was going to talk about the swine going into the sea. Talking about necromancy. Necromancy means to talk to the dead. Necros means to kill off. When the Lord said in the Colossians, the third chapter, mortify the deeds of the flesh, which are these, and he names them, names them, mortifies the word necros. Necromancy is talking to the dead. In the Old Testament, there's the word familiar spirit. 
And that means to talk to the dead. But familiar spirit is not some fierce spirit hovering around out here in the air. There's no such thing. Familiar spirit, when it was translated in the Septuagint, The Septuagint is the Old Testament Hebrew Bible. The Old Testament Hebrew text translated into the Greek language Greek language around 200 B.C. Why the Greek language? Because Alexander the Great had conquered him and his father, Philip of Macedon, had conquered the Persian Empire around 332 B.C. Well, at that time, Alexander the Great started giving all of the world all of its dialects and glossa. I got to tell you all something. I got a phone call the other day, and a guy said, uh, Are you Alexander the Great? I said, Well, no. He said, But you said on one of your your tapes that you invented the Greek language. I said, That's called sarcasm. I said, Whenever I preach on predestination, and I say, For whom he did, for no, he also did predestinate, that word predestinate is the word prohorizo. People say, You're making that up. And I said, Well, if you're going to accuse me of making them up, I'm going to take credit for it. I invented the Greek language. That's supposed to be sarcasm. You don't understand that? <laughs> so. Alexander the Great, all of the world by 200 B.C. was speaking a dialect of the Greek, the Greek koine. Koine means common. It comes from the word koinonia. It's the word common. There was a common street language in every city, state, and they differed as much as Spanish and Italian in our day and time. That's why they said, how we were every man in our own dialect wherein we were born. If you don't believe that, get your concordance out and look up that verse in Acts, the second chapter. Look at the word tongue and its dialect. But you've got to look at that verse because it's glossing some other verses. Foreign language. Now, when they translated, they translated Hebrew, the Hebrew text, over to Greek, and that's called the Septuagint. Whenever you see LXX, that is a, that's 70 in Roman numerals. It means Septuagint because they had 70 translators. When, you, when they translated familiar spirit, this is the word, instead of bottle, which is the word ob, for familiar spirit, they didn't translate it, bottle. And these translators were brilliant. The best scholars will tell you that the Septuagint is the best translation of one language into another that's been translated a lot better than 
the Texas Receptus into the Greek and the English uh, Bible. Here's what they translated for me, your spirit. And this is was the word ob in the Hebrew, which means bottle. In the Septuagint, they translated familiar spirit to this word, E-N-G-A-S-T-R-O-M-U-T-H-O-S. These guys were some of the best Greek and Hebrew scholars anywhere. They translated familiar spirit not to bottle but to engastromuthos. It's, it's a construction of in, which means within. You've heard me talk about that word in. Gastro, which is the word stomach. If you have gastrointestinal problems, you've got stomach problems and need to take some Pepto-Bismol. Gastro. Muthos is the word Myth. What it means, it means a familiar spirit is a myth within the stomach. The stomach at that time was actually a goat's belly. They would cut the goat's belly out. They would dry it in the sun. They would sew up one end, sew up a stitch up where they took it open. So they have a bottle. That was their bottle. And they kept a stopper in one end and put a strap on it. You've seen people carry that in pictures in the ancient world. That was a bottle that they carried water or juices in. And men had learned ventriloquism. They learned ventriloquism. I misspelled it. T-R-I-L. Triloquism. They learned to throw their voice. And the Bible calls this peeping, peeping and muttering. And with a loud, high-pitched voice, they would be pretending to talk to the dead inside that bottle. It was a con job. They were con men, and they'd say, cross my palm with $5 or whatever, with five shekels, and I'll talk to your ancestor and tell you your fortunes. That's what this man wanted by having it in the swine he's thinking I can talk to my ancestors and they can tell me good fortunes and what I need to do he was frustrated he wasn't any different than people out here at Central State that's our booby hatch in Nashville he wasn't a lot different than the people out here in the rich part of Hendersonville big super wealthy millionaires and stars of all kinds and they're frustrated because they can't make more but the difference between the guy in central state and the guy out here in a rich part of town the guy in a rich part of town learned how to manipulate people in his life to make the big bucks he's making these people out here 
they didn't learn how to do that. So to be possessed with devils means to be possessed with yourself and you don't know what to do and you go into the tubes and you cut yourself and scream and yell and go, I got demons in me. Where did the guy get his information? He got it from the culture he lived in. Anybody that said they had demons, they said melancholy, being real sad, was a demon. They said losing your job was a demon. They said it was one of their gods that came down and hovered over them as a guardian angel to guide them to good or bad fortunes. Oh, by the way, in the first century, they had good and bad demons. Good and bad demons. They said that Augustus Caesar, who was the Caesar at the time of Christ upon the earth, that he was a good demon. He distributed the fortunes of the empire. But how you get a Pentecostal to listen to this? They're not. They won't listen to it. Now, let's go over. How much time to have, Mike? I can't get through all these guys. Let's just go over and look at Mark's account of the same guy. Mark, the fifth chapter. Just look at him. There ain't no such thing as demons. Demons are self. If, why didn't Jesus say, if any man will come after me, let him deny his demons? He didn't say that. Let him deny himself. That word himself is a form of a UTO. Take up his cross and die daily. Now look at this man in Mark 5. And they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. We've ordered it figured out who that is that's the same guy he's got an unclean demon he's got self out of he's like Dave says he's out of control you can't get mad at those people that are crazy was he literally crazy was he insane insane when you look it up in Webster Dictionary it will say you look up all the other words that are connected to it, it'll say crazy. And it'll say, it'll say see crazy or see any, see deranged. And among these it will say unsound. And it will say the inability To think rational. Well, those people can't think rational out there. Was this guy thinking rational? He's going through the tomb screaming, yelling, cutting himself, bleeding all over the place. He was nuts. But Jesus made it go away. I mean, he made him believe in him. Remember the word sound? When Paul spoke of sound doctrine, it was Lord Hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. It means uncorrupt words. Uncorrupt words. 
It's the same word as health in Third John 2. I wish above all things that I may have prospered and be in health. It's not our word health. It's the word hugiano, uncorrupt words. Of course, prosper is the word well way, and that's narrow. So, it'll say the inability to think rational. Can those people at a central state think rational? No. Can Baptist preachers think rational when you quote, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son? And they'll say, Well, it don't mean that. No, you're irrational. You're crazy. It's because you don't want to face the truth. People out there at Central State, if somebody calls me and tells me that they're, they got mental problems, they've been in an institution, I say, I don't believe in bipolar. I was, bi- I was personally diagnosed as bipolar when I was about 27 by a doctor. He said, you'll cry the rest of your life. Do I look like I'm crying and that I don't have good sense? No, he didn't know what he was talking about. I don't believe when somebody starts saying bipolar, I believe that's just an opinion because somebody can't get along with the world and learn to manipulate the world. I don't believe in it. The Bible don't talk anything about bipolar. It talks about crazy people who are possessed with devils and they're insane, but they're no more insane than preachers who can't think rational. If you tell them baptized does not mean to dip in water or sprinkle water, it was a baptized was a noun first in the Greek text. It was a verbal noun. It was an infinitive. And the difference between an infinitive and a verb, it's a verbal noun, and it has to do with a subject out here. And a fluid coming from an outer source. From an outer source, standing and dying a person. Because baptized comes from baptizo, And Babto. Now, the first time I ever saw this in a concordance, I looked at baptize and it said Babto, and it says C and gives me a number. And I go to the number and it's Babto, and it says to stain with a dye. And then I keep reading other men, and they say a blood baptism was a martyrdom or a death. If there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, then it's blood, it's not water, it's not H2O. There was a water baptism, and that was a proselyte baptism invented by the Pharisees. I don't believe in water. I've been dipped about six, seven times by my father and other preachers because they didn't know what they were doing. First time it ever happened, I thought, what's this for? I'm just getting wet. That was a, one of the handwriting of ordinances and all the rituals were brought out when Jesus was nailed to the cross. Don't have time to go there. A blood baptism was a death. And that has to do with casting out devils. Now, let's read some more about this guy. He had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with change or with 
fetters. The word is fetter because that he had often bound with fetters and chains. The word change is halusus, H-A-U-H. No, let me hold on here. It's this word halusus, H-A-L-H-A-L-U-S-I-S. It just means fetters. It doesn't mean a literal metal chain. It's not what it means. No man could bind him with fetters because he was crazy. Neither could any man tame him. He was crazy. And always night and day he was in the tombs and crying and cutting himself with stones. Is that crazy? This is the same guy in Luke 8. Yeah, it's crazy. And when Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus fall off, he ran and worshipped him. So if he's worshipping him, Jesus is going to have to cast out self, isn't he? And cried with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit, which is a demon, which is self. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many, we're female. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And the Daemonians besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. What do I mean us? There were two of them there. But you're not going to see that to go to Matthew 8. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out. And it entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a deep place into the sea. That's where Babylon always sinks. I like it because this one says sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Well, they've got 2,000 here. And it's like Mr. Lightfoot said, they called all of their sins by the title of demons, demonion. And they that fed the the swine fled and told it in the city and the country and they went out to see what was done and they came to Jesus and to see him that was possessed with devils to see him that was crazy, insane sitting and clothed in his right mind so for nail, sane mind and they were afraid And they saw it and told it how that he fell to him that was possessed with devils also concerning the swine. Possessed with devils. It's mentioned again in verse 18. He that had been possessed with devils prayed him that he might be with him. Now let's look at Matthew. Matthew 8. How much time do I have, Mike? Matthew 8. I went through that real quick. Now, same man, you can't study one chapter in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they have a synonymous view. 
Matthew 8. All right. When he was entered, well, no, we don't go there. Start to verse 28. I want you to notice something in verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. They were insane. And he cast out the spirits with his word. With the word of God. And thy spirit is truth. And the truth is the word of God. So he cast them out with the truth or the word of God. And healed all that were sick. He actually... That word healed is the word therapeuo. We got our word therapeutic from that. He actually healed the believers. And that's all he healed. Now look over here in verse 28. When he was come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, it's another word for Gadarenes, it's the land of Gadara, there met him two, two, Possessed with devils. Two crazy men. So, there's two men, but he's only talking to one of them in Mark 5, one of them in Luke 8. Evidently, one of them is not a believer. Two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. Oh, he really is crazy, isn't he? He's fierce so that no man might pass by that way they're going to hit him or knock him in the head or something and behold they cried saying what have we the two of them to do with thee Jesus thou son of God art thou come hither to torment us before the time before we're supposed to be cast out and there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils, plural, the two of them. What do I believe a demon is? It's an unconverted man with sin in his life and self hasn't been cast out. Self is the biggest problem in the world. That's it. I was, I used to have a band and I was rehearsing one time down in Englewood. I was about 27 years old I was so frustrated because I couldn't make the right connections in the music business I had a great group really good when it comes to music out there in the world we were a pop group and I had an old dog named Susie right down laying in the floor she was about 16 years old she couldn't hardly get around and I told the band I'll never forget saying and I was so frustrated going to doctors uh, saying, what's wrong with me? I'm a nervous wreck. And Dr. Coppage, I'll never forget his name. I said, I can't get along with the world, Doc. He said, why do you want to get along with the world? They're going around killing each other, stealing from each other. Why do you want to do that? I went, wow. Why do I want to get along with the world? And that started me on a thinking spree. And the devils besought him, saying, I said about my dog, I told my band, if Susie had in her what's going on in me, she'd kill herself. I remember saying that to them. That's what the swine did. You put frustration. People say, God wouldn't, God wouldn't uh, 
break the laws of nature. What are you talking about? Right before this, Jesus was in a ship with his disciples in verse 23. Verse 24, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and said, Lord, save us or we'll perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Don't you know I'm in the boat with you? Thus he arose and went, Shh. That's all he did. He rebuked the wind and said, Be quiet. And it stopped. He's rebuking the laws of nature there. And when he walked on water, he, he rebuked buoyancy. And he couldn't sink. He broke the laws of nature all the time when he cast out self out of the man and put it in the swine. If you think, and he was saying, in essence, if you think you're going to talk to your dead ancestors to these swine, you're wrong. They'll, they'll kill themselves. So the devils besought him, saying, Hast thou cast us out? Suffer us to go away in the swine. And he said unto the two, says them, it's the two men. You're not going to get the two men in Mark, the fifth chapter, and Luke, the eighth chapter, but it's the same event. So evidently, he was only dealing with one of them. And he said unto them, Go. And when they came out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down steep into the sea. If you'll say this to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart. The sea is where Babylon was cast into. Peter and John in Luke 11 and Mark 11 had a Babylonian attitude when Jesus had killed a fruit tree, and it was against Jewish law to kill, kill fruit trees unless it was five years older, not bearing fruit. And this was in Bethpage, or Bethphage, house of figs, and there were many fruit trees there. And there were leaves on the tree, and the pre-season figs come on before the, before the leaves. So Jesus says, and they said, Behold! Peter said, Behold, Lord, e day! The tree you cursed is dead, and it's against the law to kill fruit trees. Jesus said, if, He said, Have faith in God. I'm God. I know how the fruit tree is, not bearing figs. Certainly knew He wouldn't break the law. It was five years older, not bearing figs. So Jesus killed the tree with his words. And he said, if you'll, if you'll say to this mountain, Babylon was a destroying mountain. She was built on self. And Peter had a mountain of pride in him. He was thinking of Deuteronomy 20, the last two verses. He had forgotten Leviticus, the 17th chapter, if the tree was five years old, not bearing figs then kill the tree so Jesus said if you'll say to this man be thou removed be thou cast into the sea he had a Babylonian attitude Babylon always has to die in the sea now I got to give you something else it's talking about casting out devils out of this guy isn't it look at chapter 12 what did it say in that 16th verse of chapter 8 
He cast out spirits with his word. And then he says here in Matthew 12, there's a there's a man possessed with devils in verse 22. And Jesus cast out devils, but he tells you how he cast them out. When he gets down here in verse 28, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, which is the Word, Jesus is the one that cast out devils. Cast out devils, demonion, by the Spirit of God, which is the truth, which is the Word of God. Then the kingdom of God or Israel is coming to you. Well, one other verse over here in Luke 11. Let's make this clear in Luke 11. You can't understand what casting out devils is until you look at these things. Luke 11, verse 20. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, what does God do with his finger? He does one of two things. In the Old Testament, he wrote with his finger on tables of stone. In the New Testament, he wrote with his finger on fleshy tables of the heart. So in the New Testament, he's writing his word upon men's hearts. Not some Pentecostal thing, come out thou foul spirit. That is a bunch of foolishness. You can't cast out devils by screaming at some guy that's going on the floor. He just, he's either ignorant or stupid. If he's stupid, he can't learn. Ignorant can be cured. Ignorant idiotes means, means unlearned. You can learn if you're ignorant, but you're stupid. That is the word ba'ar. A man is ba'ar, he can't learn. He's brutish. He has the understanding of a brute beast. That's what the word brutish means, B-A-A-R. Now, he says here, If I cast out devils with the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. He says the same thing when he says, If I cast out devils in the 12th chapter of Matthew, then the kingdom of God or Israel is coming to you. Where is the kingdom of God? Jesus said in Luke 17, 20 and 21, The kingdom of God is in you. They said, Are you going to restore the kingdom? He said, It's in you. It's the word of God that's in us. Look over here. I'll come back to this in just a minute. Look over here in... uh, Look in Deuteronomy. Do I have any time, Mike? I'll try to get through as much of this as I can. 
I was going to get back to baptize because it has to do with Daemonion. When he baptizes us with his word, with his spirit, that's a blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death to self. Self has to go out. What chapter in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 9. 9 verse 10. The Lord delivered to me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. That's what he does with his finger. That's when Israel comes to us. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly when Moses went up on the mountain and God gave him the the table of the law written with the finger of God. And you can see the same thing in Exodus 24, 12. Exodus 24 and verse 12. 24, 12. I'm going to read these fast. So I can get try to get them all in. Twenty four verse twelve. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up unto me in the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. They're written with the finger of God. And then you look at Exodus thirty one. Exodus thirty one. And verse 18. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now go over here to Second Corinthians. So the law is what he does with his finger and that's how he casts out devils. He has to write upon our hearts. Look in Second Corinthians. I'm making it fast. I want to get to the end of the finger of God and that's not the end of this story in in uh, Hebrews no no in 2nd uh, Corinthians. Corinthians 3 chapter 3 I got so many things on my mind what you got on your mind <laughs> oh I do have on my mind 2nd Corinthians 3 uh, verse 3 or verse 2, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and the, thy word is truth, and the Spirit's truth, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. That when he writes in our hearts is when he casts out the demon of self. But it doesn't happen all at once. It happens over your lifetime to get rid of the outer man, which is your flesh. And then if you go over here to Hebrews, casting out devils is not what the Pentecostals say. If it is, the 8th chapter, if the Pentecostals are right, just cancel out what I'm saying, okay? That's all these verses. Chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, which is spiritual Israel, that's us. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Look at chapter 
10 of that same book. Verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them, with God's spiritual Israel. In those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. Will I write them? Now let's run over here to Romans, the fifth chapter. Romans 5. And you got to remember the definition of a word when you're reading it. Romans 5. I can't read all of this. Don't have time. How much time do I have, Mike? I'll read, start with verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have a access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation that by the way is the word thalipsis it's the the noun form of thalibo which is the word narrow it's the narrow way worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the agape love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Shed abroad, ekeo, E-K-C-H-E-O. It means to gush out the agape. Agape is walking in the commandments of God, Second John 6. We said that at the beginning of the message. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That's the same thing as God writing upon fleshy tables of our hearts. His agape, his truth. It's the same thing, isn't it? The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Do I have any time? By the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. I've got several more things to say on this I'll go ahead and say if you go to Acts Acts the 17th chapter Acts 17 Paul is on his second missionary journey he comes to Athens he's going to go out to Mars Hill that's where they're serving every kind of God and they called all of their gods Daemonion when he's at Athens he's talking to a Stoic and an Epicurean the two most famous political philosophies in the first century he runs across some Epicureans and Stoics I've talked to you about Epicureanism and Stoicism then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered Paul and some said, this is verse 18, What will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange, it says gods, but it's not the word gods, it's the word daemonion. Now I got to picture this. These two pagans are saying of Paul, Hey, you're this guy's talking about strange Knidzo comes from X-E-N-O-S means a stranger and occasional guest these two pagans are saying this guy Paul is talking about strange demons 
They wouldn't have said strange demons if they didn't believe in their own demons. This was a demon they weren't familiar with. They knew who their demons were. Their demons was, they were over here in Athens, close to Corinth, and they had a thousand gods over there that they called Daemonion. That's the word here, Daemonion. And when you back up over here to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 10th chapter, Paul is rebuking the Corinthian church for involving themselves in all of this stuff. In verse 20, 10 and 20, But I say that the things which the Gentiles here in Corinth sacrifice, they sacrifice to, it says devils, but the word is daemonion. They sacrifice to demons. They called their gods and their temples at Corinth demons. That's what a demon was in the first century. And they said those demons would distribute fortunes to them. Distribute fortunes is the meaning of the word demon. Distribute fortunes in capitalism have nearly the exact same meaning. When you look up capitalism in Weber's Dictionary, it'll begin the definition by saying to distribute the fortunes of the factories and the railroads to the individual. We built a so-called Christian nation on a demon concept. And when they had all things common, common, in Acts 2, when all the people came together and they all brought everything they had and put it in one common pile, the word is koinos, K-O-I-N-O-S, koinos. They had all things common. It comes from C-O- uh, communion we get the word communion from common and communion is the word K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A koinonia and when you translate this word koinonia over into Latin it's the word C-O-M-M-U-N-I-S the Russians built an atheistic nation on a Christian concept and we have been America, built America on a heathen concept. There is no such thing as man coming up with a method of government that is righteous. Democracy started in the garden. Democracy means demokratia. Demos, people, kratia, Greek word that means strength of the people. You vote for self. When you have a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, you vote for the man that gives you the most promises. That's what you vote for. I don't know if if uh, if uh, Trump loses this. I don't see how he could lose to. Uh, to Biden because Biden is not a competitor. He he's not a he's not a candidate. I don't know how that could happen. Of course, I don't believe in either one of them. I don't believe either one of them are Christians. But I don't believe that. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. It's an evil concept. Of the people, by the people, and for the people, that's democracy. And they had a government in the garden, the beast was ruling, that a government of Adam, by even for the devil. They had a democracy in the garden, and it was capitalism 
They were voting on the tree. What was in the tree was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is not of the Father, it's of the world. Eve saw a tree that's good for food, present to the eye, and it would make her wise. She could be proud of herself. Everything in the garden that they founded was democracy and capitalism. More than anybody believes it or not, by definition. And an atheistic nation, the only problem is you can't have Gorbachev and Putin and those guys distributing the fortunes. There's not any difference in in communism and capitalism because of the guys that's running the show. They're going to distribute unfairly, aren't they? What's a republic? What's what? Republic. What's a republic? Republic is not capitalism. We were founded as a republic, but we started using democracy. A republic is ruled by the people that are qualified. In early America, you had to be rich to vote. (laughs) You had to own property at one time to vote. So, republic is not any good either. Nothing is good. That man invents. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand this book you've given us. I don't know what else to say other than just thank you for what you're doing. Lead us to your elect family. Fight our battles, Lord. We don't want to fight nobody ever again. We'll thank you for it all. Give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Well, that's the truth. And people can get mad at definition if they want to. That ain't going to help. You can't change definition because you don't like it. Can you? I can't believe I can stay up with you now when you're going to those, like, there, you were moving. <laughs> I was moving. I, I didn't know the Bible good enough back years ago. I couldn't go to eat, like, Romans, and I, I was, yeah. I, had to, I had to look in the contents to see where different books were up. <laughs> you <couldn't. laughs> I, I, you're doing good, though. I'm amazed that people are as ignorant as they are when it comes to definition. They don't... I didn't even know about tongues when I was a young gospel singer, but I knew it wasn't right. I didn't know about what demon meant when I was 23 years old singing gospel music, but I knew it wasn't right. It scares me. It still does. I see it. I'm like, I don't like. You don't have to. You don't have to be afraid of that. That's. If you are you are you scared when some little kid says, "I'm pretending that this is my friend here." Is that scary? You? I can't help it. It's just it's such creepy stuff, and it's like, and they're so proud of it. It's not, it's not true. I tell Pentecostals, what you're doing is lying to yourself. I have people come and say, don't you believe in demons? I said, no, I believe in demons. I say, you don't know nothing. You're lying to you. I tell them, man, I say, ain't no such thing as tongues. I mean, does it, does it please God that these people are lying? Just tell them you're not telling the truth. A lot of people know that that's not true. That go to the Pentecostal churches. Nobody knows what they're saying, and they're like, "Well, they're supposed to be an interpreter here." That's not even true. They come up with that somewhere. What is that word they say? 
Pentecostalism is the craziest, most. What's the meaning of it? Yeah, they look well, they had to have somebody there interpreting Spanish into their into their dialect there in Corinth. Somebody interpreting the French dialect into their dialect. That's what they had to have. And that's why Paul jumped their case. Don't come in here spreading things out and you don't know nothing of what it's about. We covered a lot of territory there, didn't we?